a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution, forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins which we're supposed to be conquering have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. The preferred radio show for canaries in a coal mine. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> hey, that jet intro reminded me that I need to check Facebook. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to chase, check Facebook while we're trying to There's do a radio There's a lot show. of activity happening on our on our Table Talk Radio Facebook page, by the way. Wait, you, we still have a Table Talk Radio Facebook page? Including... Wait, how many, wait, how many followers do we have, or whatever they call seven it? Seven or eight? Look at this. Wow. 1,509. What? How, how, how do they let people have 100 Facebook accounts? Is that even legal? <laughs> Now, our friend Henry, friend of the show Henry, has posted a meme on the Facebook page. And what he's done is he took, he took the picture, the stupid picture that you have of me in the letter jacket on the, on the website, and he put it next to a Joel Osteen picture. <laughs> and he says, I've never seen Joel Osteen and Brian Wolfmuller at the same place. Hmm. That must be uncanny. It is kind of creepy. I didn't realize that Joel Osteen was so good looking. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, in today's edition of Table Talk Radio, we're going to be uh, reading some emails, which will inspire the game's Bible Bee and a new game called You Might Be uh, uh, Antinomian. You Might Be an Antinomian If. All right. The, the This is how to make the proper distinction between gospel and gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's pretty funny right there. I just thought of it, too. Boo, boy. All right, so here's the first email. We Wait, whoa, this whoa, one whoa, first. whoa, whoa, whoa. Buzzwords. Slow oh, down. that's right. <laughs> that's true. Don't cover too much content. Back in the, first the email segment. truck up just a little. <laughs> okay, so my theological buzzword for you is synergism. And this is from two Greek words like sin and ergo. <laughs> or no, wait, no, uh... Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, work, right? Sure. Yeah, so work. uh, so working together would be the fundamental meaning of the word. But in, theolo- in theology, we talk about synergism as a cooperation or a tag team of work to be saved. So um, this would say that uh, God doesn't just save us and man doesn't just save himself, but God plus man together as a team will save man. So this is... Basically everybody but the Lutherans and the Calvinists. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, now, synergism, S-Y-N, by the way, for the sin, like symphony, etc. Uh, could you think you could describe our show as a, as a synergism of hilarity and orthodoxy? Wait, is the... Is the... Orthoredity? <laughs> Her- Hilaridoxy? Hilaridoxy. I like it. <laughs> it's pretty Speaking close to the word heterodoxy, though. Hilaridoxy. My buzzword for you is grappling. Oh, grappling is defined as to engage in a close fight or struggle without weapons. Why, do, why, why would that be your buzzword? Oh, no reason. Okay, here's the email. Joseph writes, Dear Pastor, who is this for? Probably me. I have a quick question. How can one say that Jesus is Lord and repent before they are baptized? In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says that man cannot say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Since you receive... Since you received the Holy Spirit at baptism, how were you able to become a Christian before being baptized? Thank you, Joseph. Okay, I'm trying to understand this question. Is he saying that um, a person must say repent and say Jesus is Lord before they are baptized, or that one must be baptized before they can say Jesus is Lord? He's saying this. How? Because it seems like so. Sometimes people are baptized before they say Jesus is Lord. Right. Other times people are baptized after they say Jesus is Lord. Right. Especially talking about adults. And he said, "How can that be? The latter. How can it be that anybody can actually repent and say Jesus is Lord before they're baptized? Because it is by the Holy Spirit gotcha. that we say Jesus is Lord, and it is through baptism that we receive the Holy Spirit. Gotcha. gotcha. See that? Yes. Now to answer this question, we're going to play a little game of Bible Bee. Yay! Now, I'll ask you baptism Bible passages. Have we done this before? Seems like we just did this last show. I don't know. No, no. Just talk about it. Sure. Anyway, I'll read a Bible passage, and you can guess the book of the Bible, and then we can talk about baptism. Do you know how I know we didn't do this last show? How's that? Because we were watching a video on church growth consultants, and I know that they didn't bring up baptism. What are we going to have uh, at Mission Vision 1962 as our consultant in the last show? Did that actually happen? I don't remember. Um, I can't, wasn't there a show recently where both Lumpy and Mission Vision were talking to each other? That might have been it. I don't really remember. I, yeah, I, it's like, you know how people have a traumatic uh, experience? And yes. They have a hard time even remembering that it even happened? Yes. That's we- weekly occurrence for me with Table Talk Radio. It's good. It's all, it makes it fresh and new every time. <laughs> Here's the text. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that means you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you, ye, you, must be born again. See how relevant I am, how I translated that into the modern lingo? Okay, so I have to name what book of the Bible this is? Yep. Okay, okay so I'm going to limit it down to the New Testament for now because I know most of the occurrences of verily appear in the New Testament. <laughs> and That's by the same just... reasoning, somewhere in the Gospels. <laughs> uh, and this sounds a lot like that time... Uh, my man Nicodemus came to uh, talk to Jesus, and uh, you know when when he first comes to talk to Jesus, I'm not so sure 
he wasn't. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to nail the uh, motivation of Nicodemus, and maybe it's not even given to us to to know. But you know, he comes at night, and maybe kind of the the. I don't know if he wants to uh, talk to Jesus without the Sanhedrin knowing, or if he's trying to trick him up, or whatever. But um, he sure gets confounded in this conversation because Jesus tells him he has to be born again, and he's like, "Der, how do I go into the mother's womb?" Right. And uh, Jesus that. says these words in the Gospel of John. Hey, ding, ding, ding. I got to keep track of your score here. A whopping 200 points, I assume. What's your middle name? Carl Ferdinand Wilhelm Gagelin. That's it. E-C-F-W-G. How many <laughs> points do you get? 100? 200, I think. No, 100 points for the first round. You oh, totally you're doing that thing? Okay, fine. Now, um... Uh, what about law and gospel, and especially how would you use this text to help answer our question from Carl Ferdinand emailer? What is his name? Joseph. Why is everybody um, Carl Ferdinand all of a sudden? Uh, I was just thinking about that. How I was reading some some church growth consultant thing, as you should. It, and they were and they had given themselves an extra middle name. So they have double initials in the middle, and it just, I guess it just makes you sound more professional. So That or more dead orthodox, one of the two. Um, no, no, trendy, I think. Oh, it makes okay. you sound more trendy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way the things are going these days. So We've got to um, keep up with the time. So, John, uh, let's see, read, read John 3, 5 again. Oh, I'm already on to the next one. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus. Is that it? Is that all I'm supposed to do, law gospel on? Yeah. Well, that of itself would probably be, I don't know. There's law and gospel in that verse alone. I think the yep. first time you read more. So there's the law that if you don't have baptism, that there is no place in heaven for you. And there's gospel if you do have baptism, there is a place in heaven for you. So there is a promise attached to baptism. You know, this is the thing that a lot of people like to say that baptism is symbolic or just a outward expression. And everybody thinks that except for Jesus. So that uh, Jesus comes along and says, hey, no, I said <laughs> baptism uh, gives you a new birth, that you can't enter heaven without baptism. <laughs> oh, man. That's my new argument around here, by the way, because people are always coming to ask if they can use some church space for their church service. And I said, and, and I ba- my question is basically, well, do you hate Jesus by denying baptism to the people he wants <laughs> baptized? No, I'm, not, I'm tired of people pushing it around like, oh, you're so mean and grumpy because you don't have building fellowship or whatever you know you you sitting there because you're acting all orthodox is uh is being rude and unloving i don't want to take that anymore because the whole reason for being orthodox like for believing that baptism saves is because jesus said it was it is it it saves i mean it's not it's not like man i want to make more doctrine than jesus made so i can be mean to people i mean that's how people act whenever you try to say that doctrine is important and that's just absurd so we come back and say, it's just basically this. Hey, look, this is what Jesus says. And I really like the things that Jesus says because that happens to be the way that I get to heaven. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a typical Fort Wayne grad. We'll be back on <laughs> Table Talk Radio to oh, be yeah. looking Plus, at I more hate, verses. I hate the baptism. lost that I love to be grumpy. <laughs> so Table Talk Radio. 
It's incredible how well our good looks translate to radio. Yeah! Finally, we're rocking the table talk radio in here. Nothing gets past Wolf and their jazz for Table Talk Radio like Stevie Wonder. No kidding. Tear it up. Stevie. <laughs> okay, so you are about to award me some points for correctly diagnosing that verse as law and or gospel. 200 points. Now, one more round of this game. Ready? Mm, we are playing Bible B. We are talking about baptism, and we are responding to an email from... An emailer <laughs> named CFW Joseph uh, talking about, oh, yeah, baptism and the Holy Spirit and repentance and so forth. Here's another text for you. Are you ready? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children... And to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. <laughs> That's nice. I like the King James. Hmm. I think this is going to be in the New Testament. And I think this is going to be... Hmm. <laughs> Written by one of the gospel writers. <laughs> and uh, this is going to sound like maybe a second chapter. <laughs> like in the Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> oh, I thought you were, were going to guess a gospel. Well, I said one of the gospel writers. I didn't say it was one of the gospels. Uh, got it. Uh, it's pretty tricky. You are right. Acts chapter 2. This, by the way, this is a key text. You know, this is not one of our four chief texts on baptism. The four chief texts on baptism are Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, Mark sixteen, sixteen, Titus three, five, and following, Romans six, four. But then this is this kind of second tier and very, very important text about baptism. The end of the sermon of uh, Peter at Pentecost: Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins. That you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, or ghost, it says here, because that's how they used to talk about it in the old days. Remember? Ghost. For the promise is to you and to your children. So th for those people who say that the Bible never talks about baptizing babies, this is the text where it actually says, yeah, hey, this promise of baptism, which is the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit, that's for your children. Oh, that's for, like, 11-year-olds. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to read that part. I just actually skipped the part that says, for your children who are 11 plus. Of the age of accountability. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, okay, how about this, Pastor? This this verse says that uh, you should be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, but this is how I heard someone explain it one time. Uh, well, that doesn't mean that you actually get forgiveness from baptism. It just means that you would you would receive baptism because you've been forgiven. So it's like when I have a headache, I take an aspirin for my headache. It doesn't mean aspirin gives me a headache. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the purpose of. So, but the, so you take. Why do you take aspirin for the purpose of alleviating your headache? And why do you take baptism for the purpose of forgiving your sins? I mean, that's what the <laughs> idea is here. This is a purpose <laughs> clause. This, uh, what do you say? Be baptized because your sins are forgiven. That's how. 
Now, this, if the word, if the Bible wanted to say because, it would use the word because, but it doesn't. Hansi, I heard a, right? I heard a, oh man, this is a kind of a long story. I wonder how to reduce this down to radio style size. Um, uh, when I was still be- coming out of evangelicalism, the pa- I would go back to those texts where the evangelical doctrine disagreed with the Lutheran doctrine and listen to what the evangelical pastor said. And on this text, he said, the Greek word there is ice, and it can sometimes mean because of. And he referred to a Bible version that actually translates this verse, be baptized because of forgiveness of sins, some obscure text I'd never heard of. So I went to the library, and I interlibrary loaned that that version of the Bible, and it came like two weeks later, and I was looking at it, and the preface said, this is not a translation from the Greek, but rather a theological paraphrase of the English. So so this was the only only version you could find that says because rather than for, and it itself admitted that it wasn't a translation. Yep, that's right. Hmm, that's damaging to their case. Okay, yeah, so uh, so we have this, this says be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I think that that email CFW Joe um, was asking the question, how can one be baptized? Let's see, what was the question? How can you repent and believe in Jesus before baptism? Because in baptism, we receive the forgiveness of sins. Ah, well, uh, so we would also understand this to happen in and through God's Word, so that baptism does bestow these gifts, but it's not the only way that these gifts are bestowed. So that um, we would we would look at like Romans ten seventeen. In fact, Romans ten is the context in which says no one can say Jesus is Lord, and that's saying that one says Jesus is Lord by the word of God. So that so one hears the word of God, hears the gospel, and is uh, given faith. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the word of God or the word of Christ. So that. Um, now, uh, having heard this word, I, I may profess, I may uh, repent, and then be baptized. Or in other cases, one could um, be given the Holy Spirit through baptism and result in confession of faith and repentance. Right. Right, you are. Now we say, well, doesn't the baptism give the Holy Spirit? Well, yes, but it, does the Holy Spirit come through the Word? Yes. And that's how it is with all of the sacraments, in fact. there, It's not like... Um, the Lord. So, so one of the questions we're tempted towards is, well, if I'm baptized, why do I need to, you know, receive the Lord's Supper? Or if I'm forgiven now, why do I need to be forgiven tomorrow? And the answer is, well, I, I don't know. But that's just how the Lord does it. He just keeps, he just keeps on coming with His goodness and grace. That's how He is. You don't bother saying to Carrie that you love her, do you? Because like on your wedding day, you probably said that. Yeah. Well, a couple of days. But I mean, you know, a couple of months before the wedding, that was sufficient. <laughs> All right, so now let's play the game. Oh, wait, you have this new game. Uh, oh, you might be an antinomian if. You might be an anti. What are the problems? We got the new antinomians kicking around in the church. and the, here, Here's, I think, the, the trouble. Well, let me read this email. This is from CFW Jared, our Canadian listener, who writes, Hi, guys. Trust all's well in Colorado and Oregon, eh? I'm writing <laughs> you. say eh. <laughs> I'm okay, writing sorry. with yet another sanctification question. I can't remember the criteria required to make sure this question gets read on the air, eh? I don't have to bag on the reform, tell a corny joke, and keep it under 144 characters, do I, eh? I think I'm already at 135. Maybe I should abbreviate, eh? The big words from now on. Anyways, eh? Okay, you can you, stop with the A. I've got, I'm just as, my Canadian accent is nearly as good as my, what's the other accent? Australian. Oh, yeah, Australian accent, eh? 
Um, uh, let's see. Uh, a few weeks ago, you read a listener email about the issue of receiving God's blessing, temporal blessing, based on how sanctified, obedient we are. Now, this is, I can't remember talking about that exactly. So let me pause in the reading the email and say that we do understand from the scripture that there are temporal blessings for keeping the law. Like, for example, the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother that will go well with you and you'll live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. It's the first command with a promise. Now, the law has promises. Oh, so this would but, be like when I don't murder someone, I don't have to spend the rest of my life in jail? Yeah. Okay, got it. Now, the the point of that, though, is that the, the promises of the law are always conditional. If then, if you keep it, then you get the, the benefit of it. If But it's you got to keep it. That's a, It's a conditional promise. The gospel is an unconditional promise. There are no, that's what makes it grace and mercy. There's no conditions. There's no works needed before the Lord lavishes us with his kindness and mercy. That's not the, that's not the way the gospel works. It's very, very different from the law. Now, I wouldn't say, here, here our emailer CFW Jared says, um, that we receive God's blessing, temporal blessings based on how sanctified or obedient we are. I don't, I don't want to, um, we just want to be careful of this kind of language. Uh, we we can say, hey, there's benefit for keeping the law, but there's also um, uh, there's also bad things that happen when we keep the law, because the devil even hates it when we honor our father and our mother. The devil hates it when we care for each other's lives. So the devil attacks our keeping of the law as well. And there's a danger in keeping the law, and that is that we become prideful about it, and uh, it it pulls us away from the promises of the gospel. Okay. Email continues. I listened intently, realizing that my, quote, working theology tends to slip into this mode without me even trying, except it's not focused on blessings, but curses. Here's what I mean. I grew up with a lot of preaching on being holy and getting a fresh work of the Holy Spirit to become more holy. If I'm not getting holier, then the Lord will have to chasten me. It's created a bit of a vicious cycle where I'm the I'm only becoming more aware of my sinfulness, something that Dr. Scare has characteristically said of Lutheran sanctification versus the Reformed. There it is, my dig on the Reformed. Now you have to read it on the air. And I live in pretty constant expectation of being nonstop chastened, Hebrews 10 style for it. If you could help me flesh this out and provide some corrective, I'd be grateful. Your loyal Canadian listener, Jared, eh? <laughs> so, okay, so what do you think? I think that our listeners should no longer tell us what country they're from. <laughs> That's what you're going to get from this? That's the moral of the story? That's the lesson you're going to derive? All right, let me take a shot at this. It is a, There is a danger. We were talking about this before we came on the air. There's a danger in our theology from, uh, from that we start to connect, for example, the bad things that are happening in our lives with our particular sins. We've talked often about how we are not prophets. The prophets would say, hey, the Assyrians are walloping you because you guys are stealing from the poor and also you're... Uh, you quit uh, believing in the promise with the sacrifices or whatever they're doing. And we don't have prophets anymore. But we should not take advantage of the fact that we cannot connect our sins to God's punishment to avoid repentance. You know what? I, well, we better talk about more about that after Taylor Swift stops singing. Okay. We'll take it away, Taylor. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio after this commercial break. Trouble when you walked in So shame on me now Blew me to places I've never been Till you put me down Oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in 
Table Talk Radio. We love our on-demand listener. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, where we play a new game based upon the emails you send us, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652 is the number, or um, you should also visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, where we have a beautiful golden yellow button there that says donate on it. And there's a mystery what happens when you click on it, so go check it out. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we're going to try a new what game. What happened to all my money? Is that the mystery? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it went. There's a contest so you can click the yellow button to type in the largest number. <laughs> if you get as many numbers you put in there, that's how many points you get. <laughs> Right. In fact, I, I we'll remember double. we'll double. <laughs> I remember when we first started doing the the points thing, and so we started mailing out thank yous with an award of Table Talk Radio points. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, um, so we're gonna play a new game called Law and or Gospel, which or is Gospel a- and or Gospel is what it is. Remember, because we're answering this email from CFW Jared about feeling bad that God is chastening him constantly for his sins, and the idea is, well, if God rewards keeping the law, then surely he punishes breaking of the law, and it's very difficult, if you if you know that that's true, to not see your entire life as chastisement. Remember? Aha. Uh-huh. Now, the story that Jesus tells, there was a tower in Siloam, and it fell on a bunch of people, and they said, they asked Jesus, hey, you know that tower that fell on those guys? What kind of sinners were they that the tower would fall on them? And Jesus says, hey, no, no, uh, don't draw that line between the sin and the tower collapse. That's not your job. You're not a prophet. But, Jesus says, unless you repent, the same thing's going to happen to you. So that Jesus says what you learn from our difficulties to repent. Now, any time that something troublesome happens to us, we should learn to repent of our sins. I mean, you can't, I mean, this is a point, you just can't go wrong. With so like repentance. when you're listening to Table Talk Radio, it's a good reminder repent. to repent. Because others could have the same fate. <laughs> Those sinners who listened to on whom the Table Talk Radio fell. I mean, Who sent them or their parents? <laughs> if if they don't repent while listening to Table Talk Radio, God might send them the God Whispers. <laughs> hey, take it easy. <laughs> you know, some things are just... Okay, I'm sorry. Through. All right. Now, the, the other thing to say, uh, then, is, uh, though, though, is that the Lord's Word, uh, His law and gospel, need to be rightly divided. So the the gospel is particularly for people who are terrified, who, who are repentant, who are looking at their lives and saying, man, I am a miserable sinner. And, um, and for those people who know of their sin, we need to bring the comfort of the gospel. Oh, now, I get it. For, so we're playing this game strictly for Jared. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jared, this game is for you. Now, but those there are some people who don't know their sins, and they need to hear the law. Now, this ah. is the little twist, a little twist uh, on our game. It's kind of like kick the dog, console the child, but it's a little bit different. Or maybe it's answer the question as. Law and or gospel answer the question as, because there is a tendency 
in our day and age, to um, to make the distinction between law and gospel a principle, an abstraction, and in fact to make it the only thing, so that all there is is law and gospel. So so uh, and that's probably what we call the neo antinomian tendencies, and it just it it has. It, it has very, very difficult, a great difficulty in its theological construct of having a place for something like the benefit and blessing of keeping the law and so forth. So we, so we're going to combine all that together into this game called whatever this is, and I'm going to give you a, a a situation in which you should decide if you should preach law and or gospel, and you are going to answer it first as an antinomian and then as a pastor. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So let's say someone comes to you and says, Pastor, I know I'm a sinner. I mean, I know it. And I see it every day in my own sinfulness. And and it's, it's especially tough because when I see bad things happening all around me in my own life, I know that God is punishing me because of my sin. Ah, okay. So as an antinomian, I would say that this person needs to hear gospel. Okay. Now, as a pastor, I would say that this person needs to hear gospel. Yeah. Um, because this person is ready. This person is crushed. They interpret everything to be going on in their lives as a, sight, a sign of God's wrath and punishment. So this person is crushed, and he needs to hear about the promises of God's love because of what Christ has done for this person. Indeed. Okay. okay. So far, how many points do I get? Oh, man, points. <laughs> You think I do this for free? I'm all about the points. I'm kind of I'm an antinomian when it comes to the points. I'm an anti-pointian. <laughs> Two hundred points. All right, yes. That gives you a total of five hundred. Okay. Uh, now let me give you another situation. Uh, hey, pastor. There's all sorts of bad stuff going on in my life, but uh, I, I'm not even worried about it because, man, I'm trying hard, and I know I'm I'm doing my best, and I know God helps those who help themselves. And so, um, and so, I'm all set. I'm all set, bud. Not, I'm not worried about it. Well, I think this time, as an antinomian, I would give this person gospel, because there's really nothing else in my repertoire. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But as a pastor, I think this person needs to hear uh, the law, and uh, and and to hear something like what Jesus said, as you quoted so well before, that. Uh, uh, these bad things are a reminder for us that we should repent, for we are but sinners, and God is a mighty God, and he does not turn a blind eye to sin. He knows all, and he knows our thoughts, words, and deeds. He knows even our inmost secrets, he knows. And so there's nothing that escapes uh, the watchful eye of our Lord. There you go. Well, that's how it, all right, so I'm gonna I want to stop playing that game though because it, it's too easy. Gives you too many points. I I like playing that game as an antinomian because you don't have to think. <laughs> the proper distinction between gospel and gospel. <laughs> okay, you know what well, I think you need is some gospel. We're gonna go <laughs> and play a little bit of church sign and bumper sticker theology. All right. The way this works is we listen to your voicemails at one eight hundred three eight five SOLA, and you have given us either a church sign, or a bumper sticker, which is why we call it church sign or bumper sticker theology, and we talk was, about it. I was wondering about that. Hey, do you have a microphone anywhere close to you? Oh, sorry. I was wondering about that. 
distracted. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the way this works, for church signs, we make fun of how people think that putting catchy things <laughs> is going to bring them into the church. For the bumper stickers, we talk about the worldview because, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of a commitment to put a bumper sticker. I I got a... Um, yeah, if you like it, then you better put a bumper sticker on it. <laughs> I got a, 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 a new car, or well, a car new to me, uh, somewhat recently, a few months ago. My my old car was about to die. So I, I went to Craigslist, got a new car, and, um, you know, there was a short time in there that I was uh, waiting before I was willing to put the 94.3 The Bridge bumper sticker on the back because it's yeah. brand new. You know, so there's there's a certain level of commitment to... You know, putting a bumper sticker on your car that you're really going to have to agree with what it says before you learn to do it. I mean, you don't just you go just blindly tape it pick. it on there, can't you? Yeah, you could do that. You don't just blindly pick a bumper sticker and stick it on there no matter what it says. You want to find one that says, you know, that captures my ethos. What what I am all about is what this bumper sticker says in five words. And uh, that's what we put on our car. So to that end, we play... Bumper sticker and church sign theology, and here's now. I, our- by the way, if you want to know what our worldview catalog is, you go to the website and click on the link there, and it takes you to a page that says "Error 404, page not found." <laughs> and here are the four was- worldviews that you could use. One, why am I seeing this page? <laughs> Two, right, how to find the correct spelling enough and folder. Okay, so we're going to turn you off, and we're going to play our verse bumper sticker or church sign. Hi, uh, I just saw a um, bumper sticker on the back of a Buick. Um, one says, one human family, and the other one says, don't take your organs to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here. Have fun with that one. Ooh, okay. That person sounds way too nice to be a listener of ours. Well, I'm, I mean, this this message came in a few months ago, so by now I'm sure she's either no longer a listener <laughs> Or just completely miserable. <laughs> Those are only two options. I believe in this one human family thing, by the way, because I read the Bible, and um, and we are all related to one another, not only through Adam and Eve, but also through the Noah. Now, this this means that the Bible does not have this category of race, and uh, that is an artificial category brought to us by the evolutionists at least in in any sort of way that you want to have a complete separation or whatever. Uh, and I'm totally against it. So one human family is fine. Now, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm a little bit afraid that when someone has a one human family bumper sticker on their car, what they're not actually saying is that, but rather something like um, uh, the other differences that uh, divide us, namely the theological differences that divide us, uh, should not and I suppose I would agree with that as well, because I do not think there should be, for example, Hindus or Muslims <laughs> or Buddhists at all. I think everybody should believe in Jesus and his kindness. So it's easy to coexist when everybody believes what you do. <laughs> That's right. Coexist in unity of doctrine. <laughs> That's my bumper sticker. I like it. Okay. Coexist. Become Lutheran. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. And we'll never be royal. It's a one in our blood. That kind of love's just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler.
Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, and Table Talk Radio is terrible. Welcome back. Hammer Time or the other old one that Hammer Time ripped off? That one. Ah. (laughs) Oops. I didn't know that was a ripoff, though. Hammer Time? Yeah. Stop. Hammer Time. Ooh. (laughs) That's okay. We don't need your rendition. Did you ever ever own a pair of Z Cavaricis? No. Or parachute pants? No. Man, how are we going to reach that generation? I know. I need to be irrelevant. Become all things to all people. <laughs> uh, yep, okay. that's about it. Now, we're playing Bumper Sticker and Church and Theology, and we have a Bumper Sticker to consider. It says, don't take your organs with you to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here. So this is a Bumper Sticker advocating for organ donation. And um, how would you approach this theologically? Well, there's a two things with organ donation. Uh, there's two, and and I do not know how this balance. I th- there's people on different sides of this, and we should probably think about it a little bit more. But there's t- the two questions are one, the integrity of the body, which we confess in creation and also in the resurrection. And when we we um, of course you can't take your organs with you, but the body that we lay in the tomb is the same body that will be brought forth in the resurrection. And we know that because when they went to find Jesus' body, it was gone (laughs) when he was resurrected. He took up the same old body. And that is the same thing for you and for me. In the resurrection, this body that we have now will be the body that's resurrected. Now, does that mean that if something weird happens to our body, like it, you know, accidentally gets burned up or eaten by a shark or, you know, a finger gets cut off or something, that in the resurrection our body is all burned up or finger cut? No, 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 no. The Lord is able to reconstitute our bodies with a complete integrity in the resurrection. But when we ask how to treat the body when we put it in the grave to rest, when we plant it in hope of the resurrection, we ask how can we best confess the resurrection? And there is an integrity then that we acknowledge belongs to the body even in death. There is then, on the other hand, though, a way that we can serve our neighbor and we are supposed to, in fact, give our bodies for our neighbor's life. And it seems like organ donation can be this thing, where we hand over our body in death for someone else's life. And so there's the fifth commandment and love for the neighbor uh, that comes into play there as well. Now, some some people kind of break towards the integrity of the body uh, on this question and say, hey, the organ donation is uh, is a, a destroys the integrity of the body. On the other side, there's those who break towards the fifth commandment. Uh, the organ donation can be an act of love for the neighbor. I think I break that way, but I'm sympathetic, very sympathetic to the other side, uh, and I'm glad that we're thinking about this and talking about it, in fact. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, There are some ethical questions to be asked, um, because as... um, Now you can call me... uh, What do they call those people? Conspiracy theorists. I suppose. Um, (laughs) I guess so. Bad dancer. (laughs) I'll take the former. Um, That... As 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 we approach our kind of medical health care crisis, um, I'm I'm playing the emergency card here, and uh, as as we start having to ration um, our our medical practices, I think that we want to be careful with this. Um, that 
their that that we might find value in someone's organs rather than uh, who they are or the, the life itself. You know, um, so the the thing that kind of strikes me about this bumper sticker, "Don't take your organs to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here." Kind of uh, dismisses the value of a person in, in my mind. Right. Um, but yeah. but I I am I am in favor of of organ donation. Um, for anyone who's comfortable with it and willing to do it, I think it's a great way to serve the neighbor. Um, I'm actually on the uh, bone marrow registration thing. So if, if my bone marrow matches with someone who needs like a complete, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, like a bone marrow transplant? Yeah, yeah. That, that I, I could potentially be a match for somebody. I think Man, it's a good thing. I don't, too bad I don't need any bone marrow. The Lord. <laughs> now I know where to get it, though, if I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be a match. <laughs> All right, let's go to another uh, I trip wonder sign. why my grandmother received a cornea transplant, and she said, she said um, uh, now I'm looking at the world through a man's eyes, and everything is even more blurrier <laughs> than it was. To be... <laughs> nice. But you know what? The bone marrow thing, I mean, that, that gives people another chance at life. I mean, quite literally. That that they would not have really a shot if if not um, given this bone marrow, and the don- the donation procedure is a is a medical procedure, but it it um, you know isn't a real major deal. I mean it's it is a it's a surgical thing, but um, to me the the price that one has to pay to give someone another shot at life, I mean the the uh, value to payment thing is is uh, really good. So here's another. Uh, Church sign or bumper sticker? Past the, past the United Methodist Church, church sign was, sin causes the cup of joy to spring a leak. <laughs> sin causes the cup of joy to spring a leak. I hate that. It's the mixed metaphor that gets me, you know. Do cup, cups don't spring leaks? That'd be like tires. Or inner tubes, or a tub of a uh, bathtub. Yeah, a sin causes the bathtub of joy to spring a leak. <laughs> That'd be better. Uh, we yeah. should start a free church sign. Uh, you know, editing. We oh no, we could be the service. church sign consultants. C C C's. Wait, except for sign and S. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to edit that. CSC. See how good? Nice. That was quick. That That's the kind of uh, <laughs> quick thinking we need for church sign consultants. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Found a church sign for you. It's at Webster Gardens Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri. That's, what uh, church is it called? Unfortunately, one of our churches. Sign says, live lives that are salty. Make people thirst for God. I'd like to see what you do with that one. Who right. says stay salty? Apparently, you know, the kids these days, I know all about the kids these days because I got some. <laughs> Man, and, I just am not relevant. I know. <laughs> you got no parachute pants and no children. You, you are the opposite of relevant. I, I, I can only be relevant to Fort Wayne grads, I guess. Me, on the other hand, I got a pair of camo pants at home. I mean, uh, talk about all things to all people. Can't even see my legs when I wear them. Now, what was the name of this church? I want to know. Oh, I just archived it. I don't know how to get those back. Sorry. Spring Garden. I thought it said Spring Garden Lutheran Church. 
which is absurd. I mean, that's the most absurd part of that sign is the name of it. I'll get lumpy on it. Don't worry. Salty salty is what the kids say. If someone's just kind of like what we used to say, crunchy, you know, kind of. They they don't have the soft edges. They're just they they assault you with their very presence. Salty, salty. Now I'm not sure that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, "You are salt of the world." Uh, and if the salt loses its saltiness, um, you know how you can't get it back. That's the problem. Now um, this this says, "Stay salty, make people thirsty for God." Is that how the sign works? I think he may have said Webster Gardens Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Webster Gardens. Okay, maybe that's like a subdivision or something. Yeah, it probably is. So it's, it's fascinating how these churches—I mean, it used to be that churches were named after, like, saints, uh, St. Saint Paul, uh, St. John, whatever. Now it's they're named after, like, subdivisions or something like that. I was going to name the church, if we started one, Original Sin Lutheran Church. <laughs> You shouldn't be uh, now, naming the past. You shouldn't be naming the church uh, based on the features of the pastor. <laughs> really grumpy Lutheran church. <laughs> That's more like it. You're Typical not welcome. Fort Wayne grad Lutheran church. It's, it's a really tiny front door. <laughs> <laughs> now, a state. I, I suppose this this could be this church sign could we could play the game. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. So stay salt. So the way we stay salty, in fact, truly stay salty in our vocation is that we do not compromise by, we are not diluted by the culture or diluted by the kind of secular uh, moral revolution that we are in the midst of. But we cling with joy to the clear confession of Christ. And if that's what it means by being salty, then I'm all for it. But how does that make people thirst for righteousness? Uh, Thirst for God? Yeah, that's a tricky, yeah, right, that's right. So uh, that, that oh look at look at those guys and how counterculture they are. Now I want want God or something. I mean it doesn't even make yeah, any sense. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. That's the old evangelism thing where you're supposed to be so happy that people want what you got. And that's that know? was the evangelism uh, program of the Pharisees, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean <laughs> the Pharisees right, are like, hey, I'm going to pray on the street corners and everybody's going to want to be like me. Uh, yep. Okay, one more, real quick. We have about forty five seconds. Here is the next one. Hi, uh, this is David in Houston. I've got a couple church signs for you. The first one is, need a new life? God accepts (laughs) trade-ins. And then the second one would probably be funnier about 10 years ago, or maybe even 15 years ago. Jesus died for my space in heaven. (laughs) <laughs> my space. All right, you got 15 seconds to respond to that, Pastor Wolf. Well, God accepts trade-ins. This is the idea that, I mean, a whole, so here's the best construction, that that's the great exchange. We hand God our, you know, rusty, beat-up, completely worthless hearts, and he gives us a heart of flesh, or better, he gives us Jesus. And I think we can go with that, although it's still a bad pun. Thanks for listening and, to this edition of Table oh. Talk Radio. <laughs> well, the points are like the MySpace joke I was about to make. <laughs> Sorry. You quit too soon. I told you I had 15 seconds. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.